Welcome to the Touchline Talks podcast. It's me, your host, Curtis Foster. This podcast will feature guests from all across the football industry, and in every series, I'll be talking to specialists within the professional and grassroots game. The aim of my podcast is to educate those who seek a career within football by gaining information, knowledge, and insight into various levels of the game through the experience and advice from those who work within it. The podcast will feature individuals from various roles, and they will include managers, coaches, analysts, physios, marketing individuals, and many, many more. Join me on my podcast journey as we dive deep into the beautiful game and pick apart the foundations of football employment roles. Well, hello and welcome to episode one, series one of the Touchline Talks podcast. I'm delighted to have my first guest on the show, um, Adam Mahoney. Introduce yourself, give us a background. Who are you? Where are you from? How old are you? What do you do? <laughs> Good morning. Um, no, thank you for having me on, Kurt. Uh, so, like I said, my name's Adam. I'm currently the head of analysis at Bristol Rovers in League One. Um, I'm 25 years old and I'm be going into my seventh season in professional football. Have you always been in professional football, Adam? Or is that something that you've only done over the last sort of few years? Um, so, I started off volunteering um, locally with with my brother's um, grassroots team. Um, before I went into university, um, we this is where I met Kurt. We went, we volunteered on a summer internship at a professional club in Hungary. Um, so, you know, we spent a couple of weeks in our summer there back in two thousand thirteen, uh, where we got to learn all about the club. Um, and then I went off to university and. And started started my career there. And what was it that you studied at university? Because obviously you get a wide range of sort of courses available now, particularly within sport. So many different ones. Um, for what it is specifically that you do, um, what course was it that you sort of took on? And was it what you expected it to be? Um, so I studied the football coaching and performance degree, the BSc at uh, University of South Wales. Um, so I actually, I have a, only completed the first two years of the degree because I was offered full-time employment at Swansea City. Um, so obviously I, I left uni full-time to take the job with the idea of I'll, I'll finish the degree part-time. But as it goes, I haven't had a chance to actually finish it. Um, it will be something I'll look to do you know, when I get a chance. But as each year has gone on, the role has got bigger and bigger. Um, and I've progress into different things I just haven't found the time to complete the degree but yeah that makes sense um you see a lot of it nowadays certainly within football and when you end up getting a sort of opportunity in the professional game it's sort of silly not to take it if it's something that you want to pursue have you found it a lot more difficult than you thought it might be to balance sort of the education and your own personal learning with actual employment within the game I think the the difficulty with it is like you say, fi- finding the time to do it because w- when you're in the role I'm in and you're with a team, um, there is so much that needs to be done. Um, especially like take for example a, a top Premier League team when they have a department of maybe five or six analysts and the work can be spread out between those individuals. When you're working lower down, you know it, it's just you on your own, maybe with an assistant part time. Um, and you're expected to manage the same workload as what a department of five or six at a Premier League team can do. So finding the time, finding that um, work-life balance is definitely an issue. Um, but it's something that comes with the role. Um, you know, it's just we've, you've got to manage it. Yeah, of course. And like you said, at the top, top level of the game, it's always going to be slightly easier for them because of the money involved with it. I mean, we see some figures that get thrown about now, whether it's transfers or revenues that clubs are making, competition fees and things like that. Um, We see that all the time. And I think sometimes people forget how powerful sort of money can impact the top level of the game. And like you said, as you creep down to sort of the lower leagues with regards to the professional leagues and League One, League Two, um, there are still people working in the same capacity. But like you said, it is managing that workload. In a typical sort of, role that you do at the club that you're at now how would you sort of balance that work between like you said yourself and and one other person if there's so much to do that like you said five or six people would do at a premier league club how do you balance that between two of you that must be quite difficult i think 
you know, firstly, you need to have a good relationship with with the person that's working alongside you. Um, and it also helps having a group of coaching staff working on the first team that, one, buy into what you want to do, two, are interested in it and are happy to help and want to help. For example, you, you may have set pieces where the goalkeeping coach will, will take just take the video and do the whole report on set pieces. And set pieces will be, you know, probably half a day's work um, going through the opposition, um, creating the animations, the graphics, telestration, whatever it might be. And if you've got somebody that can come in and go, yeah, I'll take that off you. Great, done. You know, it, it, it's all about having a good team, not just of analysts, but of coaches, of a manager that buys into it. And I think that's where it would help. It helps when we, we're balancing everything. Yeah, that makes sense. And like you said, it is just about finding that balance with any sort of job that you do or any sort of employment or role that you do. It is important that you work as a team, particularly within a sport. Um, it's important that you sort of understand who you're working with and finding that balance with each other to get the sort of best results that you possibly can. Um, touching on something that you just sort of mentioned uh, with regards to some of the work that you do. One of my questions was going to be to you, actually, what is a typical working day for you within your role or is there no sort of typical structure for you um there is a structure in a way um obviously it would depend on how many games you have in the week um so let's for example if, if we're on a, a one game week um a typical day would be in by probably eight o'clock um catch up on on emails um for the first half hour or so grab some breakfast and then usually into a meeting by nine. Um, in that morning meeting, it'll be all the technical staff, so from the manager, assistant, uh, the coaches, goalkeeping coach, SNC, physio. We'll have a quick uh, debrief on the players, um, how they've reported their wellness from the day before and on that morning. We'll then work out numbers for training. Um, and usually the manager or assistant will, will come up with what the session plan is going to be for that day. Um, and then that's where I'll come into play because it'll be right. The session's going to be filmed. Which bits need to be filmed? Um, and that's where my football understanding comes into it. Then, so I need to know exactly what they're doing, why they're doing it, what to look for while the session's going on. So I can be coding the session. Um, so filming and coding the session live. And then as soon as the session finished, we're back in. The session goes to the the sports call file. Go to the manager or the coach. And it can be re reviewed instantly um, and it just speeds up the processes for the rest of the day. Yeah, no, it's all very interesting stuff. And I just want to go back to something that you referred to a second ago. Um, and it's something that's quite a hot discussion point when it comes to sort of employment within the game, within football. Um, you said about game understanding and you said that you have to use your sort of own initiative with that um, because it sort of applies to your role. You see nowadays there's a lot of courses and there's a lot of companies available that will sort of offer courses out in, in terms of different roles. Do you think it's important that with a football role, within any capacity, you have to have a game understanding? It's not just a job where you can go in and think, right, I'm quite good with, for example, in your role, I might be quite good with data, I might be good with technology. Do you think you have to have game understanding with football and a good level of that to be able to fulfill the the role that you're doing at a good level i think you definitely need to have a rounded approach to everything so you need to have like some sort of multidisciplined um look on it all so whether you're like you've mentioned good with data um whether you're good with technology even the, the basics and using a camera um so when you're filming how do you get the footage off um how do you get it into your laptop how can you distribute it effectively amongst all the different coaches who may be using, some are using a Mac, some are using a Windows, some are still on a, you know, a tablet, and how you distribute the footage effectively to them. Then, it, then in terms of football, obviously, you need to have a good relationship with the manager um, to be able to understand what he wants and what his philosophy is. So you get a working relationship where he doesn't really need to come to you and ask for things. You're going to him and saying, look, after look this has just happened or whether it's live in a game and you can see something happening, I'll be mic'd up to the bench and I can get a message down straight away. Say, look, this is happening. What do you think? I can clip it live. 
and something that's, that's come into play this season is obviously having the live feed to the bench. So if I see something, I can radio down and say, look, just look at that last clip. They can look at it and if it needs to be, it can be rectified straight away um, during the game. So, Yeah, it's, it's quite incredible, really. Obviously, I'm someone who I like to think I'm obsessed with the game and I watch as many sort of football games as I can, whether it's on TV, whether it's in person, live. Um, and technology, obviously, as we've, we've seen certainly this year with VAR and things like that, is coming into play more. But in terms of the technology that's involved with the employment side of it and behind the scenes when it comes to training, uh, when it comes to roles like yourself, I'm finding it really interesting to see the sort of growth with that. And like you said, something that I noticed this year was particularly the live monitors, like you said, that come down a pitch side with the dugouts and things like that. Um, and you just mentioned that it's important that you have a relationship with the manager in terms of they can rely on you to use your knowledge, use your, your skill in what you do. Um, so for those that obviously didn't hear at the beginning, you are the head of analysis at the moment at Bristol Rovers, which obviously is a massive role. Um, for someone of your age as well. It's an incredible achievement. Um, what would you advise in terms of building those relationships with people so that they can sort of let you get on with your job and you're not sort of constantly being overlooked and watched and people looking to see, oh, is he doing that right? Is he doing this right? How do you learn to get people to trust you in that relationship? I think one of the biggest things I've found is is asking questions really helps. So... Some people may think asking a question will make you look you know, daft or, or that you don't know what you're doing. But for me, asking questions just provides clarity. Um, I would rather know exactly what the manager wants. And it's for me then to go away and learn it, digest the information. Um, maybe come up, if he's asked me to look at something and I've, I've questioned it, I've gone away with his explanation, looked at a clip, shown it to him and it might not be what he wanted and then that helps me then it's the learning process right that's not it I can then go and look and keep looking so it's a, it's a case of I, I suppose trial and error um, and the more you work with them the better your relationship will get and the better the understanding you'll have together so like I said it, it comes through experience um, it comes through working together daily you know you probably speak to these this the staff the coaches manager more than your partner and your family they end up becoming your family the more time you spend with them um so you end up getting to know them better than what they know themselves yeah i know how that feels and you end up spending so many hours sort of within the game within football that you forget that sometimes you actually need to find a sort of social and work-life balance um, those of us that are obviously obsessed with the game and, and just love being in and around it probably sometimes forget that there's more out there to football. Um, as we've seen with the current sort of corona situation that we're in at the moment, it seems that as time goes on, I think people are just desperate to get some sort of sport back in their lives. And you don't realise how sort of powerful it is. But like you said, as someone like yourself who's working within the game, you spend so much time day in, day out, especially on a full-time basis with with those people that you end up doing sort of building those relationships and, and they do get stronger and stronger and like you said it's important that there's some sort of trust there and obviously you're trusted to do your job you're obviously very skilled at what you do um referring back to you spoke about obviously the technology that you use throughout games now um obviously i won't delve too deep into that because uh, there's probably things that you can't talk about with respect to your club which is absolutely fine um with regards to you clipping stuff during a game this is just sort of for my understanding like i said because this the whole point of this podcast is for me to learn as well but so for people who are out there that want to get involved with football in various roles they can learn as well so i'm intrigued how long does it take for you to clip something in a game and get it sent straight down to the dugout how long would that take um so you know it, it's probably not a secret um huddle huddle sports good is is like the industry standard um software that I would imagine the majority of clubs in the professional game use, not just in football, but uh, hockey, rugby, whatever the sport might be, we all tend to use the same software. Um, so they have a feature where we can um, almost share our screens with another machine. So, for example, my Mac can be shared with another Mac um, on the bench and is usually... Depending on the ground you're in, um, obviously if you've got a wired connection, so through a data point, 
then it'll be quicker. Um, if you're looking at maybe using the stadium's Wi-Fi or like some sort of Airport Express, where you create a private network between your machines, then you know it, it does all depend where you are. Um, it can be anywhere from two to twenty second delay in sending the clips. Um, so obviously there's there are quicker ways. You, you could even have been I can export a clip a clip quickly straight into WhatsApp and WhatsApp is straight to the bench to somebody on the bench if you know if our machines aren't if the connection isn't great on the day. Um, you know, we can use all sorts of methods to, to get clips down to the manager. Um, like a, a lot of the, the dugouts in League One are on the opposite side to the bench. So whereas in, in a Premier League stadium you're usually on the same side as the bench, but back in the stand, you're obviously a bit closer. When you're on the opposite side to the pit, uh, to the dugout, then there are challenges involved. Um, so maybe sometimes something like a WhatsApp message gets the video a lot quicker um, than trying to connect the machine. So you know, there's loads of different ways we can do it. Um, there's specific technologies now with the likes of Focus that um, allow the bench to have a direct feed from multiple angles. That that's what you will probably see. Um, on the iPad, on a stand in front of the coaching staff um, at, at a Premier League ground. But, you know, there's, there's also we can have the laptop, um, whether it be hardwired in or somebody sitting closer to the bench to distribute the footage to the coaching staff. Um, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And I mean, like I said, we talk about technology in the game, but even within a specific role like yourself, it's incredible. It really is quite incredible how much technology is used, even within that one specific role. Um, and that's just sort of a, a small section of, of what you can get in the professional game. Um, even within, like I said, within the Football League rather than the Premier League, it, it's such an incredible sort of insight into what the players can get, uh, what the staff can get on the day. And you see why things like that sort of separate the, the non-league clubs and the lower league clubs in the lower steps to those that are full-time, those that are within the Football League and the Premier League. Um, and you see things like that and you just think it's so powerful. Um, how effective and powerful do you think analysis can be? And why do you think it is beneficial to clubs? I think to review, to review performance, I think there, there isn't a better way. Um, you know, once you get the footage, it's, it's the one thing after the game, the manager, the coach, the staff, they want the game straight away. They want it on their laptops. They, there's, there's always a, a quick turnaround needed um, in anything we do. So whether it be filming training, you're walking off off the pitches and the manager wants the wants it straight away. Um, before you get on the bus and you're, you're coming back from your away game, the manager's handing you his laptop. He wants it straight away. There's always that. Everything in analysis has got to be done yesterday, if that makes sense. Um you can't be, you can't have people waiting for the work to be done. Um, it needs to be done, and no delay. It's got to be done. It's got to be done right. And it's the same with the players. The players want to see their clips. Um, so we'll try and get um, the individual clips tagged and coded live during the game. So then, when we we get back, we can upload it to Huddle, um, and the players can get access to to all their clips. Um, same with it being on the bus. If you're on the bus traveling back to remote from the way again, it's a case of uploading the footage using you know your hotspot on your phone, or if the bus has got Wi-Fi, you use the bus Wi-Fi. Um, if you're lucky enough, you can have the time to upload it while you're still at the opposition ground. Then then great. Um, you know you you will have players and certain players that will buy into it more than others, and then it's a case of trying to get those ones that maybe aren't watching their own clips or the opposition as much try and just change up how you how you present it to them just try and get them to engage a bit more because um, ultimately it, it's there it's there for their benefit um, you know to help reflect on their own performances and to give them an understanding of who they're coming up against uh, in any games honestly it's I'm, I'm sitting here I'm listening to you talk and again I'll, I'll repeat what I've said I'm here to learn just as much as anyone else is that's listening to this podcast. And you really don't realise the impact that a job like this will have on the bigger picture within a club in terms of performance. Like you said, I mean, 
my myself personally, uh, even at lower sort of levels of football within my coaching career and within managing on a voluntary basis at lower level, trying to get myself in the game, I look at analysis and I think it's such a powerful thing and it's something where I wish I had the resource um, to sort of do it a bit more. Um, but like you said, it it's manpower sometimes, even, even at your level, there may only be one or two people working within a club. So to get people talented enough to do it at, at lower levels where I work myself is obviously quite difficult. But I'm just sitting here and I'm just sort of fascinated with how powerful it actually is. And like you said, the, the quick turnaround times you have in terms of games, like we know now, especially with the football league and, and it's even creeping down to lower levels of all the cups now, you don't have a lot of time between games. And I'm sure you'll probably agree with that in, in terms of your role must be quite stressful when you know you've got a sort of Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday sort of fixture list. Does that add stress to you or is that something that you think through experience you've learned to sort of cope with and deal with? Um, it, it it probably comes with the job. So, you know, I don't think anyone can get into football expecting a Monday to Friday, nine to five, you clock out at five and, and, and you don't, you know, you, you can leave work and forget about it. It, it doesn't happen. It's a, it's a 24-7 job where I could be sad at home in the evening something will come in my head and I've got to get it done straight away because that that's the nature of the role it's you know like I said there's no nine to five you can clock out and just just not do anything when you're at home you know there, there are certain things that can't be done at the office or you need to do when you get home um you know for me now with my new club I'm going to be commuting um, back and forth for the first couple of weeks um so you know, I'm already thinking there's probably an hour and a half worth, an hour and a half there, an hour and a half back. There's three hours of my day where, one, I'm not at home, and two, I'm not doing any work. So I'm, I'm potentially losing out three hours a day of essential work. And I know, I already know when we do get back and the football season resumes, hopefully it does, that, you know, we've got nine games to get through um, to finish the season. It's likely going to be a quick turnaround with every game. Um, so we're looking at maybe two to three days between each game. Um, so I'm already thinking about the prep, um, how we're going to look at all the opposition games, how we're going to get the reports done, how we're going to get our own post-match, pre-match done. So it's something I've had to use this time we, we've had off now um, to get everything ready to an extent. Um, obviously, we don't know what the fixture schedule is going to look like when, when we do start back. Um, so... It's a case of preparing. For, we we know the teams we've got to play, um, so we have an idea of who, just not when. So it's a case of trying to get something prepared for every single team, and then once we know, right, this is the order, it's going to be all hands on deck, and we've got to get it done um, to the best we can in the time frame we've got. Yeah, fair play to you. That that must be very difficult. But like you said with experience you sort of learn it and, and you expect to sort of deal with those sort of issues and challenges um, when it comes to sort of taking a role on within football like that especially at like the top level that you're working at and um, you also mentioned that you you do training sessions as well um something i just wanted to touch on something i've seen quite a few times now on social media and I'm, I'm sure a lot of the sort of keen football fans and people working within the game have also seen it i'm sure you've probably seen it yourself um, and that's julian nagelsman when he was obviously at hoffenheim um did you see the technology that he obviously imported within their training camp? Yeah, are you talking about the the large screens at the side of the? Yeah, so they had obviously somebody filming during the session. I think they had a couple of people filming, and they had these uh these big sort of tripod cameras up, like some were in the air, some were quite low, um, and they had these massive, big, great big screens that you, you sometimes might see during like a a major competition down on the beach or something. Um, and it obviously went around on social media that he stops and he uses that sort of analysis live within a session. Is that something that you think that idea will be taken by more clubs? Or do you think that's a unique thing that would be highly costly and not many people would find that beneficial? I think there's definitely two things with that. There's one, whether your club has the resources to do it. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, I would imagine it's quite an expense to have some sort of 
large scale screen um because it, it's similar to like a, a scoreboard or a stadium isn't it the, the size on the screen um obviously to have that put in installed plus all the cameras the manpower to operate the cameras um and the second one is wh- whether the manager actually wants it um so whether he would find it beneficial um again one of the things in this country is if that was to be having england or wales is the weather so you know that we we're not blessed with with great weather here um so a lot of the time it'd be raining is it something we could have out in the rain to get wet and, and everything else and and obviously the biggest one is where the manager would actually use it um so i know some I, I, the way i'm working at the minute is that we don't do clips during training training is only reviewed after training um, unless somebody comes up to me in the gantry and says oh look can you pull this can we have a look at this um it's a case of letting the coaches get on with get on with the session and, and we're there to film and and clip as we see um but i think it's, it's, it's more unique to to the club um and the personnel working at the club rather than it, it being an industry standard thing i think yeah that's a good point and like you said there's there's no sort of blanket way to to learn within football and there's no blanket way to sort of be successful and we've seen that with different philosophies and sort of ideology over the last few years um and analysis like i said is one of them things where for me personally i i see it as being a really useful and powerful tool um the amount of detail that you can go into with individuals is it's black and white uh, video feedback they often say is the best kind of feedback that you can get because it, it is there it is black and white um you can sit there with someone and say actually look this is the situation this is what happened and if they sort of disagree that say oh, no, no i don't remember that well actually look it's there it's right in front of you mm-hmm. um it is really powerful and it is something that personally i think most clubs will use it and they'll use it to a, to a good standard if it's available but like you said it's it's on individuals and some people might not look at the analysis side of it. Some people might not think it's beneficial. Um, you get certain individuals that might not think statistics are relevant and stuff. Uh, you'll get certain other managers in the game, certainly at a top level that, that think statistics are everything. And it's interesting sort of looking at those philosophies and, and those approaches within the game. Um, but like you said, yeah, it, it's, it's really powerful. It's really good. And it's, it's really good to get an insight to sort of what kind of things you're doing on a daily basis. So appreciate that sort of information. Um, just want to go back to something you, you mentioned a second ago and, and it was to do with the training. Um, from what I know of you, obviously when we met a few years back, we'll, we'll come on to that for those that sort of don't know. We'll, we'll talk more about that in a bit. But you mentioned that the coaches obviously sort of come to you sometimes and they they may say, actually, can you sort of clip this from a session and stuff? For you personally, as, as someone that I remember, you grew up as this right wanting to go into coaching before analysis. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's. I don't think many people grow up wanting to be an analyst. Um, I think you, you initially grow up wanting to be a footballer, and then once you realise that you're not going to be good enough, you, you still want that career in football, um, and then you turn your hand to coaching. And I think, when I, or when we first met, and I was starting university, there was no analysis degree. I hadn't really thought about um, a, a career down that route where it was probably, it was obviously a part of the game. It wasn't a well-known part of the game at the time. So we, you know, we're only talking seven years ago, I was in university. So it isn't that long in the grand scheme of it, but there was obviously analysis going on that was not kept quiet, but not well-known at the time. Um, so it wasn't until I'd gone to university and, you know, you're comparing yourself with, with the other students on your course and how, good they are a coaching compared to yourself and you probably I can I know I've always been quite hands-on with a laptop a computer and, and, and technology so it kind of went hand in hand for me I it was a key I was a career where I could use my skills that I have with technology plus my love of the game and combine the two to come up with this almost like a perfect career you know even my friends now still laugh at me and say I get paid to watch football and in a sense that they're not wrong but it's it's almost like a perfect career for me because of the passions I have and the skills I have I was better suited to this kind of role rather than a coaching role 
it's really interesting hearing you say that and and I appreciate you being honest about that and, and like you said it's the, the phrase you used at the beginning made me laugh actually maybe you think of um when Jamie Carragher said oh nobody grows up wanting to be a Gary Neville like you just said nobody grows up wanting to be an analyst um I'm sure like I said with technology changing and ever growing within the world as it is certainly within sport I think that is probably something we, we will see more people will sort of look at things like that and go actually do you know what like yourself I'm quite skillful with a laptop I am quite good at things like that that is actually a route I would quite like to take um I would quite like to know more about that in terms of where you started so I want to sort of go back just briefly to your university days you said there wasn't too many courses around at the time there is a variety of courses nowadays that will touch on similar subjects but they might be slightly different in their own way if you was to advise somebody now just straight up to say right if you're going to go to uni to to get involved with this and sort of learn the best you can is there any sort of university courses that you would advise because as far as i'm aware personally i don't know any companies externally that you can do sort of analysis stuff with or learn to do that there may be smaller ones but certainly not to use the software and technology that you might do at uni so is there any course that you specifically would say to people actually do you know what that might be the one for you if this is what you want to do i think the be- the best way you can do it is if, if for any student who's you know just finishing the college course now looking to go university and you want a career in sport do a degree where you get to try out all disciplines so rather than focus on a specific analysis course as a bsc do a sports coaching course where you can i don't know you, you may want to only be in football which is fine so do a football coaching course that allows you to try out sports science allows you to try out psychology nutrition all these disciplines that are vital in football right now go and experience them go on don't try and only be an analyst or only be a coach you have to try and do a bit of everything and have an understanding get the experience thinking right yeah i'm not i'm not so keen on working in sports science but i like the nutrition side of the game so then you can maybe once you've done your bsc and you've experienced all these disciplines then look at a master's in nutrition or sports science or analysis. Yeah, I think it's a very valid point. And it's something that when I get people sort of ask me when I started my journey and what sort of decisions I make, I'm sure at some point over the series, more will come out about myself and, and where I began and things like that. But I think it's really interesting that you said, basically you need to keep an open mind. Like you said, you might go in with, the idea like yourself you you did as well you went in and I, you wanted to be a coach and then you actually sort of looked at that you thought actually I need to adapt to the situation it, it might not be for me but I think this is something I would probably be better at and my skills would be better equipped to so I think it's a, it's a really good point that you make and I said for, for those that are listening hopefully looking for a career within the game or certainly thinking about one and, and aren't sure aren't sure how to sort of take that route I think it is important that we advise that you do keep an open mind because you might think, oh, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm nailed on. That's what I want to do. But actually through through learning, through experiences, through hopefully insight from other people like this podcast, you will pick up ideas and you think, oh, actually, I wasn't aware that that, that role entailed that. I wasn't aware that that's what you do. And that's actually significantly more interesting than I thought it might be. Um, following on from that, you just mentioned about sort of different routes that you can take. And they're all stuff that you mentioned, obviously, things like nutrition and stuff like that all individualized sort of roles that you see within the game now um, and these are hopefully people that over the course of the first series the second series if, if we get enough view in which i'm hoping i will um i will get to sort of delve into as many different individual roles as i can and, and experiences and different backgrounds whether that's professional or grassroots but i want to touch on something and i want to ask you the question going back to earlier when you said about your game understanding linking back to the fact that you sort of loved the game and wanted to be a player when you were younger the fact that you started off as a coach not an analyst are there currently any other courses as someone who is successful like yourself in a head of analysis role at a football league club is there other courses or qualifications that you've sort of done in the last couple of years on the side of what you're doing that you think have enhanced what you do that might not necessarily be analyst based courses in terms of courses, obviously there isn't a lot other than your degrees at, at say your Cardiff Met or your University of Worcester. There isn't a lot of specific analysis courses, um, and whether that be at universities or 
you know, online courses or there isn't a great deal out there. Um, and what is out there will teach you the basics, which is fine because, you, you you know, you need to understand the basics of, of, of everything. But to give you probably the detail and uh, the knowledge you would need to succeed in in a professional role, then you can only get that by by actually working in a place and getting the experience. And it's, it's something I tried doing at my previous club where I introduced an internship program for for students where we set up a, a scheme of work that they would do throughout the season and it would teach them the basics, but it would teach them how analysis was done at, at Swansea. Um, and then... You know, support them through their course, um, help them with their career pathway. So, for example, somebody who, who comes in and, and he says, right, you know, I want to be an, I want to be a coach. Okay, great. So then let's teach you all the skills you need to, to be a coach. When you've got those courses with your, you know, your A for A, your Bs, your pro licenses, wherever it might be, there isn't a specific analysis course. And it's something that probably the industry is screaming out for. Um I know they touch upon it in, on your B and your A and your pro license, but nowhere near enough as what it should be. Um, so it's definitely something, there's a gap in the market for a specific analysis course. Um, I know I sat in a uh, heads of analysis meeting at the Premier League back before Christmas and we discussed potentially standardising something for our analysts. Um, so Currently, there's no qualification needed to become an analyst at a professional club. So anyone can apply for a job as an analyst. Now, to be a coach at a professional club, to work in the academy, you need minimum B license. To manage in the Premier League, you need to have a pro license. There are minimum requirements in certain roles, but in analysis, there isn't. So analysis is, is kind of a... You know, anyone can be and train to be an analyst, but to be a good analyst and the best analyst you can be, obviously you need to go out and and do these courses. So, like I've I've got my B license, so I've done you know a certain amount of coaching courses. I've attended conferences that have nothing to do with analysis, but are on the recruitment side. So a part of my role at Swansea was I was a recruitment analyst, and I would look at players. Um, for first team level right the way down through through the academy age age groups um and that obviously adds something else to adds another string to your bow whereas i've come into this role now at bristol and during this lockdown period where we've been at home i've been able to use my skills at interpreting data push the data into tableau individual data and then try and highlight players that you know, we could be looking at now in the summer in the transfer window when that finally opens. And but that's all come from taking an opportunity in Swansea, um, learning about something else that I probably didn't know of before, um, and then using those skills, utilizing them now in, into this new role. And you know, hopefully, giving the manager and, and the head of recruitment something else to look at, uh, just another avenue of of looking at players. So. No, it's it's really good. It's, it's it's really informative, and like you said, there are plenty of ways to add string to your bows, so to speak. And I think you'd probably agree that it's an incredibly competitive sort of industry to be in football. Um, whether you're starting from the lower leagues, non-league, whether you're going into academy route, uh, whether you're working at like the senior level within the pro clubs. It is an incredibly competitive industry and environment to get yourself into, but it's one that, from what you've basically said, if if you do the courses, if you're willing to learn, if you're willing to go off a tangent at times and and do subsidiary courses that might not be directly relevant to your role, but can enhance your sort of understanding of the game. If you go out, you get that experience. It doesn't necessarily have to be at a pro club. Um, like you've just said yourself, there's there's no sort of requirements within analysis to say, actually, you have to have this qualification, which, like I said, is it's slightly different from coaching. Um, I myself am a UEFA B licence coach and I touched on analysis on my course. And I remember doing that. I remember 
a specific sort of module of that of that booklet where I had to analyse Yaya Torre in a cup final. Um, and I, I remember doing that very clearly because it was something that I felt I really learned from and it was something that I wanted to learn a lot more about. Um, and you said earlier that there's not too many courses other than at universities for analysis courses. So hopefully that's something we see sort of creep into the to the industry a little bit more. So we see hopefully maybe the governing body might might look into that, like you said, and, and assess that. Um, it's certainly something I'd be interested in and I'm sure a few people listening would probably even more so now after hearing sort of your insight and things actually how interesting it is the analysis side of things um so i think it's really important but but yeah some really sort of good advice there and like you said it's important that people sort of put strings to their bows work hard and and you can achieve anything you can out of the game and and people need to to know that and and everyone has a different journey um just want to sort of touch on the analysis stuff and and sort of link it to where i am so like we've discussed, you, you do see a lot of analysis at the highest levels of the game, all right? whether that's finances, whether that's because of the technology available, the resources, fair enough. For me, what I've seen recently, certainly local to where I am, we are seeing a bit of analysis creeping at lower levels. So certain clubs will do it independently. Um, they'll try their own sort of methods. Again, we, we might not know too much about how they do it, um, what their objectives are, how professional that is, whether it's um, successful, there's one company I wanted to sort of mention and, and I it's someone I'm in regular contact with down here in Sussex is Your Instant Replay. So for those that don't know, go and check them out on Twitter. Um, Louis Clark, who set up Your Instant Replay, he basically, as far as I'm aware, um, hopefully he won't shoot me for quoting this wrong, but he went and bought a couple of cameras and sort of said, I'm going to go and film the sort of local Sussex County Leagues. Um, I'm going to ping it out to clubs and say, actually, look, I can record your games for you. Uh, from then, it was sort of a domino effect of services that he offered to provide. So he then went into sort of analysis-based stuff. Um, and I'm basically seeing your instant replay taking over the whole of Sussex. And I look at that and I think, do you know what? As someone who has thought of that idea himself, all I can do is sort of take my hat off, give him a round of applause and say, well done. Because there are so many different avenues within football that you can take. But in this day and age with everything we see and everything we see at the top level and, and all these ideas for someone to, to think of something like that, which is so niche, I think you just got to sort of applaud it and say, well done to him and, and well done to Louis at your instant replay. He's providing a service that not many other people have provided. Um, and I hope with all due respect to him that he, he manages to take over the whole country in the end. I hope I mean, it's an idea that I've not seen anyone else do, but I hope he's the one that gets a chance to sort of um, take over that market and, and he smashes it and he's already doing a great job. So, so there's my little shout out for him. I think he deserves it. Um, and touching on that and that, that company, do you think from your sort of point of view and, and you hearing that information about that company that's available down here where I am, do you think that analysis is going to be more powerful over the next few years? Um, and is it something that you would advise teams at lower levels to invest in? Or do you think that if you're being honest and, and sort of speaking truthfully, if you're allowed to do so, are lower league clubs in terms of, county leagues and and combined leagues and sort of step seven step six clubs are they likely to be priced out of softwares and companies that might provide this do you think or do you think it's something that actually you need to look into investing in it because it gives you so much added value into what you're doing and what you're providing for your club i don't think any club can can you know realistically be priced out of of having a having some sort of analysis um done on their team so basically if you, if you think it can be as simple as you just purchase a camera um so whether it be a, a 720p or a hd camera you can pick those up for less than 300 quid so a tripod you're looking at less than 30 pound and then the next thing you need is some sort of viewing platform so i've seen things where it's you know some sort of scaffold and a permanent scaffold and fixture put up um, with a ladder Somebody would to run up the ladder, film your game, and there's your first step of analysis done. Your game is filmed, and it can be given to managers, coaches, whoever it might be. So for for Louis and his company, um, I would imagine that's exactly how we started, as in purchasing a camera, finding some sort of viewing platform, whether it be off a balcony or you know if if you're on a local park, you can get 
scaffolding structures now that can be erected on the day. Somebody can jump out the film after the game, pull it down, put all the stuff back in the car, and away you can you can move the gantry to somewhere else. I think those kind of opportunities, if they're there for clubs, definitely, definitely buy into them because it it adds the you get your games filmed and you can review performance, you can improve, you can reflect. But it also adds, it puts your players in a shop window as well because you get individual clips for your players that, you know, we, we're hearing so many stories now of, of players going from the lower leagues and making a career for themselves. Well, those clubs are going to benefit from it in terms of transfer fees, um, and you know, obviously, getting some sort of remuneration from players moving on and moving on to better things, then it's only going to benefit the club financially as well, which can then be re you know reinvested into more cameras, cameras for the younger teams, or actually employing somebody to be the analyst. So it it opens more and more avenues for clubs, and I think it's a good opportunity. Now, nobody wants to lose their best players, I, I get, but sometimes the players need to move on to to benefit the club. So I think it's a good opportunity. Um, and, you know, Louis' company sounds like he's doing it the way it should be done. Um, and, I, you know, I, I wish him all the best. Yeah, no, like it, it's really incredible what he's doing. And, and like you said, it's it's all relevant, whether it comes to sort of putting players in shop windows, whether it's for players to give themselves analysis, whether it's for coaches at lower levels to sort of see things they might not. Um, obviously, at lower level sort of coaching, the qualifications don't mean everything within any sort of industry. That's my opinion. I think, um, for, for example, within football, you could have a level one coach that, for me, might be more talented and more uh, sort of open-minded, more creative, and better at delivering and more powerful than a, an A-licensed coach. I mean, some people listening might think I'm, talking crazy when I say that but I've seen instances like that where I've, I've seen sort of newly qualified coaches and I watch them I think wow you really are going to go somewhere one day and I look at sort of more experienced coaches and I think hmm, like you can obviously see they've got a bit about them but actually is it just sort of proving that qualification a piece of paper doesn't mean anything um, and certainly at the lower levels you, you might not get coaches that are as qualified but they are sort of coming with a new understanding of, of modern day football with things like analysis and like I said we touched on your instant replay and, and I've mentioned it they are doing an incredible job and like I said go go and check out your instant replay for anyone that's listening to this go and have a look at the social media um, if it's something that interests you or your club or you think oh actually I didn't realise that that was such a powerful tool after hearing this conversation get in touch with Louis and his company Um they do everything for you. You pay the service fee. They put all your clips together. They can do individual clips for, for players if you want it. Um, they can do clips, highlights of the games. They can send you the full footage of the games to analyse. Um, there's no sort of boundary with what they offer. So if that's something that you think, oh, actually, I wasn't aware of that, go and get in touch with them, certainly down in Sussex. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Again, I don't want to be misquoted on this by Louis himself, but I'm assuming he has plans to sort of venture out of this area and sort of take over as much as he can and sort of be dominant in that industry so go and check it out um but like adam's just said there's no real way of pricing anyone out of these things and and it certainly seems like a great investment to make certainly with the way modern technology modern day football's going um it's something that might sort of separate you from your opponents your competitors some of some teams have sort of coming up with different approaches like you said and i look at brentford in in the championship now and in terms of their club philosophy, not their playing philosophy, their club philosophy, those of you that haven't sort of seen too much about this, um, it's not something I'm an expert on, but they have an incredible sort of approach to the game in terms of the way they do their transfer business, the way they do their recruitment, uh, the way they look at statistics uh, based on how they perform and how they train. Um, I'm pretty sure if you just if you Google the, the Brentford sort of approach, um, some of the stuff that I read on previously I thought was absolutely incredible and it doesn't seem like it's any secret that Brentford have been a club that have been there or thereabouts to sort of play off the last few years and they've not not quite made it they're not a huge club but in terms of what they're doing it's absolutely admirable and they lose their best players almost year in year out because of 
the club philosophy and I think that is actually to, to produce players to give them that platform to grow and to sort of push them on and like you said that that can come from analysis that can come from statistics it comes from those niche little markets within the game that, that pro clubs are using so go and have a look at that one for anyone listening it, it is really really interesting to see their approach and how different clubs sort of take that approach um, but no it's, it's good to hear from from you Adam on, in terms of the lower level stuff because I, I think a lot of our listeners will, will probably come from that end and hopefully when we grow we get people from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of level of the game but um, yeah definitely added value in terms of analysis even at lower levels so if it's something like you said that you want to set up yourself if you want to go and find a company like your instant replay that can provide it go and have a look at them and, and see if you can add value to what you do because it's really important um, going to touch on something else now, so I'm going to sort of go off on a slight tangent um, but sort of link what we've just spoke about so when we're talking about professional and grassroots as two separate, let's regard them as two separate games for now, right? Because I know it's quite a political issue and there's a lot of money issues with regards to the professional game, the grassroots game. And, and you see figures that get thrown about in modern day football and, and you think, actually, are we investing enough in our grassroots game? Or is, it, is that a reason why we're falling behind as a nation? Is that why we're never going to win anything? Um, these are all sort of topics and, and points I'm sure will come up in future discussions. But for now, touching on the professional and the grassroots environment, have you got any experience of being in and around sort of changing rooms, training grounds, uh, where you can give us information on insight into what you think separates the two? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think the, the the main difference I've seen in in terms of professional players and your amateur players is I think the professionals do the basics so well consistently um, and you'll be you you watch a top player and he'll make it look like he's got so much time on the ball um, and I think the top players have just that that little bit of better understanding of the game um, their surroundings you look at the studies around how many times for example Frank Lampard would scan and you compare that to, to what a lower league player might do now Frank has probably already seen his next two or three passes when a grassroots player hasn't received the ball yet and he hasn't looked where the next pass is going to go he's just worried about receiving the ball getting his touch on a pitch that probably isn't great Whereas someone like a Lampard would have already scanned his shoulder two or three times, known where the opposition are, known where his next pass is going to be, and know where he's going to run after playing that pass. So it's just their speed of thought, I think, is, is a lot quicker. Um, and obviously their, their technical ability, listen, they're, they're training every single day. Um, so their physical and technical attributes are obviously going to be a lot higher. Um, in, in terms of dressing rooms, obviously you have different levels of professionalism. So, you know, at, at first team level now, you'll have a designated kit man that will be at the stadium two hours before the players that will have all the kit out ready, all the strap-ins, the massage tables, drinks, the, the energy bars, gels, wherever it might be, everything is done for them. Um, and it looks fantastic when you walk into a dressing room and all the shirts are up hanging um, the floors are clean, the walls are clean um, the music is blaring, that's the kind of professional environment that, that these guys are, are, are used to whereas you have your you know, your, your lower league stuff where you probably your manager and your players are, are still hanging up, coming in, you, you get your bag you open the kit bag, you get you pull your own shirt out Do you know, there's, there's those different levels of I know it comes down to having staff and the resources to be, to be able to do it. Um, but I think that's, that's one of the big differences is just having the staff and uh, the resources to, to make an environment professional because, you know, ultimately you, you lead by example. So if your managers, um, you know, I've, I've been recently listening to the, um, the legacy audiobook on based on the New Zealand All Blacks and how they created an environment amongst themselves and the environment is still there to this day so even though they've got different players in the squad those players pass on the environment and the beliefs and the philosophies within that group and it's something that's passed down through the generations and 
like I said, the environment is massive. So having a, a good positive environment um, breeds professionalism. And if you, if you haven't got the resources to have a kit man that, that you know sets out all the kit and everything else ready for them, that the environment sets itself and you have people in place that will make it professional where there is or not. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And and like you said, it, it is about that professionalism, whether you're at the, the top game or sort of the lower ends of the grassroots game. And I think it's important that even if you're at the lower end of the game, you put in that effort and you, you make things sort of special for the players, for those in and around you. It's all about the environment you create. It doesn't matter whether you're working at an elite level, whether you're working at a voluntary level. It's all about the environment that you decide to create. And that's on you ultimately there's so much information out there and so many things on youtube on google um like i said podcasts like this where people give you an insight on what sort of makes you better what gives you sort of what people call marginal gains on a match day um and it's important that people sort of take that advice on board um, so it's really interesting to hear your sort of views on that um we're going to wrap this up um but before we do that i want to want to do something that i'm hopefully going to use as a final feature in all of the podcasts that i do and the final feature is just going to be about you. All right. So I want to hear a closing statement from you. And with that, I want you to give advice. So if you were to, to give advice right now as a closing statement to anyone listening to this that wants to get involved with football analysis, what advice would you give? Where would you suggest to start? Would you prioritize courses over experience? And then at the end, I want you to give two books that you'd advise, whether they're just generic books or to do with what you do. And ideally a course. Fire away. Right, okay. Um, best advice I would give is for any budding analysts who, who want to get into get into football and, and professional football especially is volunteer. So gain as much experience as you can to build up your CV. Um, unfortunately, this is something that's common in this profession that you need to have the experience. You know, you know like to fulfill a job spec, um, experience is something every employer employer requires and it is something that can be hard to come by um, as there aren't many paid roles available um, and when they do become available that the demand and the competition is often so high for the post that you know CVs are you, you may have one job that has 150 applicants and if you think of the amount of courses at university all these students are coming out of ready for employment and it's the ones with no experience are unfortunately getting pushed to the bottom of the pile. So, you know, it's obviously a difficult industry to get into, um, but if you want to work hard, take every opportunity and, and ultimately I believe you will be rewarded. Um, the next one would be to learn about every discipline within analysis or, you know, be confident in watching clips and having an opinion on them. Um, learn about the use of data and how it can be interpreted to, to aid performance for, for players and a team. Um, Learn how you can combine both the video and the data aspect um, to be an effective way of communicating your points across the players and staff. So, you know, if you've got a data metric that you want to show to the manager, we'll back it up with a video. So, for or think of it this way: that if you want to look at a player, a midfield player who isn't playing playing forward enough, you've got all the clips to do it fine, but back it up with numbers as well. So, look at how many times he's played. A pass backwards, sideways, um, forward. Look at the success rate. Compare him to other players in in the team, um, in the rest of the league, or even the leagues above. So, if it's the younger player, show him what a Kevin De Bruyne is doing via video and through his data to say, look, if this is what you want to get to, these are the numbers that Kevin De Bruyne is hitting. Um, and then I think the last one then is obviously just to, to be open to new ideas um, and be ready to challenge your own beliefs. So, you know, when you're working with different coaches, managers, start building your own philosophy in your head of how you would see the game or how you believe the game should be played. Um, what two books would I, would I pick? Um, one of them would be The Goldmine Effect. So it's by an author called Rasmus Ankerson, who is the actually the co-owner of Brentford. I know you've, you've already touched upon them, um, but reading that book and his other books will give you an idea of the Brentford and FC Michelin model that, that they're working on. 
Um, and then the second book I would recommend would be Legacy from the New Zealand All Blacks. Um, actually, I'll, I'll go for one more. I'm going to go for um, a book on Steve Jobs. So technology through Steve Jobs, anything you can find on someone like him. He's outside of football, um, but the ideas and the principles around his innovation for all Apple products, I think, will will inspire people, um, especially in this industry where technology is, is so big. I think some reading the works on, on Steve Jobs is is really beneficial. What was the last one? Incredible. And one course, if you could advise one course. Um, one course. Well, I, I, I'll go with the one that I've done uh, because I, I know the staff there. So the football coaching and performance degree at University of South Wales. Perfect. Well, trust me when I say it's been an absolute pleasure getting an insight into sort of your working world and the analysis world. Um, I genuinely have just sat here for an hour and, and I feel like I've just been in a seminar. I feel like I've genuinely just learned so much, even just from speaking to you. And that's the whole point of setting this up. So I can't thank you enough. Um, hopefully we'll touch base again, maybe in 10 series time when I, when I kick <laughs> off and I'm famous um, and you can look back and say, actually you were the reason that I got famous. So thank you so much no for your time, for your insight, for your knowledge and just for being an all round good man. And I wish you the best of luck with everything you do. Um, 26 years old, you're absolutely flying. So be proud of where you've got to at this point and long may it continue Thank for you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. See you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and found it insightful. If you'd like to be a guest or if you have any topics that you'd like me to cover in future episodes, either DM me on Twitter at ttalkspod or email me at touchlinetalkspod at outlook.com.